Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week marks uh, the end, the unofficial end of summer. Kids are going back to school. Educators are preparing to go to school, like my wife Kelly, who starts tomorrow. Um, this is a day of mourning for many, many families. Let's be honest. This is a day of mourning, okay? So we say goodbye. This is a season you families are in right now, and we are praying for you. We know that this is a challenging time. Uh, we remember what it was like of having young kids and going through that season of adjustment. Uh, and now our kids are going through it with their kids, and so it's just kind of fun to watch others do it. But we don't have to. Isn't that great? Well, actually, I do. My wife's a teacher, so I do have to. But So we're wel- we welcome you this morning. So glad that you're here. We are in uh, the middle of a a series here this summer called Seasons. We actually had planned to end it last weekend, but uh, I decided to continue this series into our fall campaign that starts on September the 10th. And um, I'm actually going to continue over the next number of weekends talking about seasons, but with a slightly different twist. For the last number of weekends, we've been focusing on seasons that are very individual, seasons we go through in our lives. What we want to talk about beginning this morning is the season that our church is in. Here's the deal. If, if people go through seasons, then it only stands to reason that families and businesses and corporations and organizations and even churches would go through seasons. And so been discerning the last number of weeks as I've been praying preparing for our fall campaign about the seasons that Grace Crossing Church finds itself in. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the topic, seasons of transformation. Now, today's talk comes with really two applications. One, there is a very personal application to today's message. And the second is a corporate or collective application to today's message. Here's the catalyst verse that we've been using for this series, Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And I would submit to you today that there is also a season in our lives where God wants to transform us, where God wants to do something new inside of us, something to change life as we know it. So I come into today's message with two comments by way of introduction that I think are significant. The first one is this. Transformation typically begins at the point of dissatisfaction about your current reality. Let me say that again. Transformation typically begins at the point of dissatisfaction with your current reality. Every transformation that has ever occurred began with a longing that things could be different, that things should be different, and that things would be different. Every transformation began with a deep longing to say, I have a conviction that the way life is now does not have to continue into tomorrow. So there's an old saying that I heard from a psychologist friend many years ago 
that I've never forgotten. Probably you here have heard some variation of this. And here's the statement. Until the pain of staying the way you are hurts more than the pain of change, you typically will choose to stay the way you are. Let me say that again. Until the pain of staying the way you are hurts more than the pain it's going to take to change, typically we choose to remain the same. So two years ago, I did a uh, kind of an overhaul in my lifestyle. I changed my diet. I changed nutrition. I started to make better choices, smaller portions, and it made a big difference. And this summer, I began to notice that things were not tracking in the right direction there. I had began to fudge, literally. I began to fudge on some things that were making a big difference. And I began to notice my pants were getting tighter. I was doing another, another hole in my belt, just one down, and it's easy to say, ah, it's just one hole, right? But when I went to the second hole, woo, that was a wake-up call. And so I decided for the month of August that I was going to do a physical reset. I was going to get back to some of those disciplines that made a big difference in my life several years ago. And I think in all of our lives, transformation begins at the point where you become dissatisfied with the current reality. You say, I am not happy where I am, and I have a conviction that things should be, could be, and will be different. Which brings me to a second comment by way of introduction. Transformation is a lifelong process. It is not a once-in-a-lifetime event. Transformation is a lifelong process. It is not a once-in-a-lifetime event. So when I made that decision two years ago, I lost 50 pounds. And I didn't do it overnight. I did it by continuing to make the same choices time and time and time again, and I'm finding myself right back there again, having to do it again. Why? Because transformation is a lifelong process. It is not a once-in-a-lifetime event. I am a firm believer that the deepest level of transformation is not behavioral, it is not intellectual, the, the, the largest and most significant level of transformation, I believe, is motivational. It is when our desires change and our desires become what God desires for us. And when that transformation happens at the level of desire, everything and anything becomes possible. You and I will not be transformed overnight Grace Crossing Church will not be transformed overnight. And it is a process that causes us to bring to the topic today a word that none of us like. Most of us are adverse, adverse to this word. Transformation means that you've got to talk about the C word. Change. You've got to be willing to go there. So let me just do a quick poll of our audience this morning. Who here this morning in our crowd has nothing in their life they wish were different? I mean, raise your hand if there is nothing in your life that you wish 
could be different. Here's the reality. Every single one of us in this auditorium, regardless of who you are, wishes that there was something in your life that was changed. Every single one of us have desires for things to be different. Perhaps it's a desire for a change in your marriage. I just wish some things were different in my marriage. Perhaps it's a change in your relationship with your kids or your grandkids. Perhaps it's a change that you desire in your relationship with your adult parents that you just wish things could be different. Maybe you're here this morning and your desire for change is that you wish there was a change in the circumstances of your job or in your financial position. Perhaps it's a change in the way you look or the way you laugh or the way you live. I mean, regardless of what your change is, every single person here can say, count me in, there is something in my life that I desire to be different. And here's the deal. God has engineered us to be able to change and adapt to whatever is necessary in our life. Every living organism has been designed by God to change. I know none that don't. And and reality is God doesn't just want us to change, but I believe God has placed in us, all of us, a longing for change and transformation. I believe that. I believe God put it in us to have a desire. And so here's the question this morning. If that's the case, then what is preventing us from making the changes? What is keeping us from welcoming change and inviting a transformation in our life. I would suggest that there are two things that keep us from moving toward transformation. Status and status quo. Status and status quo. Both are subtle, but both are equally deceptive and equally dangerous. Status quo. Status quo simply says that things can't be different, things won't be different, so why should I even try? Why should I even work at it? And status, on the other hand, says, I care more about what people think of me than what God desires from me. I am more concerned about my image than I am becoming the person that my family needs, the person that God desires, the person that my community needs, the person that my coworkers need. You see, we believe a lie when it comes to status and status quo that either things can't be different, so why try, or we believe the lie that image is more important than honoring God, doing what God desires. And so I want to challenge us this morning. God longs for transformation in your life more than you do. And and I want to use a verse of Scripture that I think is really sets up what we're going to talk about for the next few moments. Before I do, let me give you today's big idea. Here's today's big idea. If you are not continually being transformed 
you risk becoming spiritually malformed. Let me say that again. If you and I are not being continually transformed, then we run the risk of becoming spiritually malformed. It happens all the time. Here's the verse. Romans chapter 12, verse number two. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, by show of hands, how many of you are familiar with that verse? You've heard it before, you've read it before, you've seen it before. So the vast majority of us, it's pretty popular in Christian circles. And it's a verse that I often reference because I believe it's so significant. And I think many times we miss the mark on what this verse is saying. In fact, I I would suggest this morning that there are two false assumptions that we often make when we read this that are not necessarily the intent of the verse. They are false assumptions, albeit innocent, that we make when we see this comment that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Here's the first. I think the first mistaken assumption is that God is concerned primarily with what's going on in our heads. Many people, when they read the word mind, they think brain. Do not think that. Your brain is very different from your mind. Did you know that? Your brain is the physical aspect of your body. It is a tangible part of your being. Your mind, on the other hand, is an invisible, intangible part that actually is responsible for your, yes, your thoughts, but also your feelings, your imaginations, your dreams. The mind is a total body experience. Every cell in your body is part of making up your mind. Your mind is not contained only in your brain cells. It's part of every part of who you are. It runs through the fiber of our beings. And so when we hear this word be transformed in our minds, please do not think only in your brain. God wants total transformation. And here's the second, I think, false assumption that we often make. We primarily think that God is concerned with our transformation intellectually. But there is another part of your your brain and my brain that God also wants to transform. It's called the amygdala. How many of you here have ever heard of the amygdala? How many of you know what it's responsible for? Okay, It's it's an almond-shaped part of your brain that God has hardwired into you that is responsible for your experiences and how you process those experiences. How you respond and handle your emotions. And when we read this idea of being transformed, what our tendency is, is to think that God wants to ramp up our knowledge of him. God wants us to just know more about him. But it is so much bigger, so much wider, so much more significant than that. Yes, God cares about what you and I think. But hear what I'm about to say. God cares about how we think 
about our feelings and our emotions. God cares about that. In fact, God often is speaking to us through those experiences and through those emotions, trying to get our attention. And so often what we're doing is we're ignoring what God is saying, how God is wanting to speak into our lives. So what Paul does here is Paul uses two very different Greek words. The word conform and the word transform. He says, listen, do not conform to the thinking and the value system of the world. In other words, don't do life like the world does. Don't simply think that that's what is going to get you by. Just don't keep going through the same old motions. This word conform actually comes from a Greek word that means to become like, to become the same kind, or to behave in a way that is consistent with the norms or the popular opinions. So think of this as a blending in with everyone else around you. So did you ever pick up a copy of your old yearbook from high school? When you think of conforming, think of fashion. When you look at an old picture in a yearbook or an old picture of you in school, what are the first two things that come to your mind? I can't believe I wore that. Or I can't believe my hair looked like that. So just to let you into Gil's world, here's a picture of my sophomore. Why are you laughing? Okay. Look at that hair. And check out that shirt. I'm showing off the only chest hair I had in that picture. Okay, I just want you to know. The only one. Listen, I would never wear my hair like that today. I'm thankful I have it some. I would probably never dress like that exactly today, right? The reality is when you look at these pictures, it's all about what? Fitting in. And so then Paul throws this other word to us. It's a powerful word. It's completely different than the word conform. He says, don't conform, but rather, here's the word, be transformed. It literally means to be changed in your nature your identity, and your character. Conforming is all about what's, what you look like on the outside. Transforming is all about what you look like on the inside. Conforming is all about behavior Transforming is all about character. Conforming is something you can do, but transforming, this kind of transformation, is something God does in you and through you as you align your thoughts and your feelings with his will. So think of it this way. Conforming is all about our image. Transforming is all about our identity. And it's all about building the character God desires for us. Let me say this, and I don't want you to miss this this morning. If you and I want to upload God's character in our lives, we've got to download God's word into our hearts in a steady way. 
We need a consistent diet of God's word to understand our lives in light of him. And I would suggest that many people are missing out on transformation. Why? Not because there's not some inkling of desire, but it's because they're not willing to go to God's word, to God's instructions, to figure it out. They're not willing to seek his counsel. Are any other guys here anything like me? Any other guys in our auditorium actually do a project and don't read the directions first? Anybody else kind of like that? Now, I did something. This is like a no-brainer, right? I, I don't know how many of you remember, but when I was a kid, I used to love when my mom would buy Jiffy Pop popcorn. Remember Jiffy Pop? You'd get it out. It'd be in this little tin a, tr- a tray, and you would actually put it on the stove, and you'd keep shaking it, and all of a sudden that thing would just blow up real nice and big, and once it finished, you'd crack that thing open, some nice fresh hot popcorn. Well, my wife got some Jiffy Pop. I felt like a kid again, and I stepped up to the stove, and I just thought, I'm going to make some Jiffy Pop popcorn, and she grabbed her video camera because it didn't go well. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Thing. How's the Jiffy Pop coming on? Not well. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> oh my word, I gotta get it off that thing and I can't find it. <laughs> How many of you can say with me, epic fail, okay? This was an epic fail. And, and here was the problem. I, I discovered it later. Did anybody else see the problem in that video? I didn't take the cardboard off the Jiffy Pop. So when that thing started popping, man, it just shot out sideways. It, everything went sideways. It was just an epic fail. And had I just read the directions, had I just been humble enough to take a look at the instructions, I could have enjoyed some great popcorn that night. But instead, I burned it on the stove. Now, here's the deal. Our life sometimes goes sideways because we ignore to look at God's directions. Because we ignore to bring God's word into our situation and say, God, I know what I'm feeling, I know what I'm thinking, but I want your truth to inform me in what is honorable to you. What is your desire? What are you saying to me? And for each one of us here, here's the promise that God makes to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Stop evaluating Christians by what the world thinks about them or what they seem to be like on the outside. In fact, let me just, let me just take some liberty this morning. Stop evaluating your Christianity by what, what the world thinks about you or by what They seem to be like, you seem to be like on the outside. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, merely as a human being like myself, how differently I feel now. When someone becomes a Christian, he or she becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Did you catch that? Did you catch where the change happens? Where the transformation is promised? This transformation that is promised through Jesus Christ is not promised on the outside. 
It's promised on the inside. That God will make a brand new person in here first. But that's not what we do in life. For far too long, Christianity has focused on, a, on the idea that Christianity is a behavior management program rather than a heart transformation promise. When you look at the Gospels, and you can read them, Jesus did not come and focus on behavior modification. Jesus came and went right to the heart. He focused almost exclusively, almost entirely, on what? Heart transformation. Because he knew something. If I can change them on the inside, if, if I can transform them on the inside, I don't have to even think about what's going to happen on the externals. That'll all take care of itself. But if we are a train wreck here, inside, everything in our world goes sideways. Everything in our life does not measure up to what God desires. So Jesus comes, and here's what the Bible calls this. The Bible calls this his, God's good news to us. That Jesus Christ is God's good news. What makes news good? And what makes us really appreciate good news? It's when we have a, a lot of bad news. Have you watched the news this past week? Lots of bad news. Well, Jesus Christ, the message of Christ, is good news. God's news is good. God's news is really good because it helps us to confront our past experiences, and bring God's truth into them. God's news is good. It's really good because it empowers us to take a look at the negative stories and the negative scripts that actually are occupying the better share of our mental real estate. God's news is good. It's really, really good because it enables us to actually focus on actions and reactions that are affecting our spouse, affecting our kids, affecting those around us. God's news is good news. And God wants us to experience this good news, not just believing it, but actually applying it to the deepest part of our hearts. So I believe that God desires transformation for every one of us here, but I also am convinced, as I've been praying into this the last number of months and specifically the last number of weeks, that we are moving as a church into a season of transformation. There's a prophet in the Old Testament that had a transformational experience with God. It's, it's found in Jeremiah chapter 18. And here's what it says. The Lord said to Jeremiah, go down at once to the potter's house. I will speak to you further there. So I went down to the potter's house and I found him working at his wheel. Now and then there would be something wrong with the pot that he was molding from the clay with his hands. So he would rework the clay into another kind of pot as he saw fit. So no doubt Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and he's, he is assuming this word is for me. 
God wants me to experience this. God wants me to hear this. He wants me to see this because God wants to do this in my life. And that was part of it. But it was bigger than that. Verses 5 and 6. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand. God did not just desire transformation for Jeremiah. God desired transformation in his entire community of faith. God's desire was to make Israel a transformational nation. And to make Israel a transformational nation, they had to go through a process of being reshaped. Now here's what I sense that the Lord is saying to Grace Crossing Church. I sense that we are entering into a unique season of transformation. Oh, Grace Crossing, can I not do to you as the potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you, Grace Crossing, in my hands. Secondly, I sense that God is wanting to make us a more intentional, transformational community. Where our pain and our brokenness is not discarded, but is repurposed for the glory of God. I love the theme song to the sitcom Cheers. You remember it? Is it ringing in your head right now? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to go where you can see troubles are all the same. You know, when people darken the doors of churches, they do not believe they're walking into a place where they're going to encounter people that have troubles like they do. Most people who go to church actually think they're walking into a community of perfect people. Oh, are they in for a rude awakening, huh? huh? I had somebody say to me recently, I actually made that statement, we, this is the perfect church. And, and then they qualified it's the perfect church for them. And it's true, but we are not a perfect church. I am not a perfect pastor. There are flaws and deficiencies and deficits in every one of us that God wants to rework and reshape and remake into his glory. And God will use our weaknesses to do that. And here's the third thing I'm sensing. I'm sensing God is asking us to offer to him our broken pieces so that God can take those broken pieces filled with cracks and holes and he can fill it with his love and his grace. I'm not sure how many of you here are familiar with the Japanese art called kintsugi. But kintsugi is a Japanese ancient practice that continues to today where broken ceramic, broken pottery, broken vessels 
are not discarded like we do here in America. If a handle falls off a teapot in my home, if I had my choice, I'd throw it away. We discard things that get broken, especially shattered. Well, the Japanese art of kintsugi actually decides to make beauty out of brokenness. And here's what they do with their vessels. They take their vessels and they fill them with gold to actually make them more valuable. This idea of kintsugi is the idea of, and literally the two words actually mean to join together with gold. That's what the words mean. And I believe what God is desiring to do in all of our lives is to take our brokenness, our flaws, our cracks, and our holes, and God wants to fill them full of his love and grace. Why? So that our brokenness can become a story to his glory. So God can use our story to bring glory to himself. So that God can make us more valuable than before we got broken. That God can take us and repurpose us. And aren't you glad here this morning that God does not discard us when we fail him, when we mess up? I'm so glad. So two applications today. Here's the first, personal application. I'm going to ask you this morning to not minimize and ignore your brokenness. I'm going to ask you to bring God into it. There are things in all of our lives we wish were not the case. And there are things in all of our past we hope no one ever knows. Truth is, God wants to enter into those experiences and those stories so that he can repurpose those things for his glory. I'm going to ask you this morning to make a decision that if you want to be transformed, don't do it by settling for the status quo and or status, that will never happen. You've got to be willing to say, God, here it is. Here are my broken pieces. Here's my thoughts that are broken. Here's the decisions I've made that are broken. I've messed up my life. Things have gone sideways, but I want to bring you into it. I want to invite you into it. And the second application is a corporate application. It's for all of us here. It's collective. It's about our body. On September the 10th, we are moving into our new fall campaign. For the last several years, every fall, we have done an all-church campaign that has taken our Sunday morning talks, and they were supported then by our Connection Group ministry. The last few years have brought us such a lift of going to some really difficult topics and dealing with them and bringing God's grace into them. How many of you remember God on politics? That was last year's fall campaign. Well, this year we're going to enter into one that I cannot promise you is not going to be challenging. But here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that it is going to be life-changing if you will invite God into it. April the 14th, 1912. The Titanic was four days into its maiden voyage when it struck an iceberg and it sunk. 
seeing nearly 1,500 of its 2,200 passengers and crew perish when that ship went down. There is little question or doubt as to how the Titanic sank. What is still puzzling today is the why. Why did the captain not change direction? Why did the captain ignore repeated warnings from other vessels in that area? Why did the captain minimize the risk and put other people, other people's lives at risk? Well, I think if you read history, the answer is pretty obvious. He did not believe. He assumed that his ship would not sink. He assumed wrong, terribly and tragically wrong. So the word Titanic, interestingly enough, actually means of exceptional strength, power, and size. The Titanic was considered a ship that would not, it was unsinkable. That's what they believed. But it was no match for what lied just ahead, and it was certainly no match for what lied just beneath the water's surface. When the Titanic caught the end of that iceberg and traveled along it, gashing the side of that boat for several hundred feet, it tore a hole in, in four, or rather in five of its compartments, its lower chambers. Five of those compartments became vulnerable and actually began to take on water. The Titanic was engineered so that four of its lower chambers could fill up with water and flood and it could sustain its buoyancy, but not five. Not five. And when it took on water, there was no chance of salvaging that boat. From those who survived, interesting things they talk about. They actually say things like, we had no idea how bad it was. People went on as business as usual. In fact, from survivors' testimonies, there was no apparent sign of damage to the boat. All of the damage lied beneath the surface. And when we fail to address what is beneath the surface of our life, here's the deal. It will guarantee that ultimately and eventually our spiritual life will tank. We will sink. We will not be the person. God sent Jesus to die so that we could become. So on September the 10th, we're launching a new series entitled, What Lies Beneath? Take a look at the, at the video.
greatest danger to an iceberg is not the 10% we can see. The greatest danger, the greatest strength is what lies in the 90% below. In most of our lives, people really don't know what's beneath the surface. People really don't know in our lives what lies beneath. But God does. And God wants us to bring him into that portion that maybe other people have never been invited into. As part of this journey, that may mean you inviting others into it. And we would encourage you to prayerfully consider that. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, a great piece of wisdom for all of us. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. When the author says above all else, here's what he means. He means what I'm about to say, I'm putting in a league all of its own. Nothing's more significant. And then he says, guard your heart. Now it is so easy for us to evaluate the heart of other people while ignoring our own. I know. I've done it. I spent years of my life thinking about helping, counseling other people on heart issues while ignoring my own deep heart issues. And when my journey of transformation began in 2004, and I can tell you, people who knew me then that know me now will tell you I'm not the same person and I'm not the same pastor that I was. That journey and that process has not ended. I continue this journey of transformation to what lies beneath, to guarding my heart today, probably more than I did in 2004. It's become my lifelong ambition because I recognize several things. The greatest gift that I can give this body is a really healthy relationship with God. One that is honest, real, authentic, transparent, and actually brings glory to God through my weakness. It's the greatest thing I can do. And that journey is continuing. And so here's the second challenge today. It's the corporate challenge. On September the 10th, we're going to launch this series, and we're also going to launch our connection groups. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Transformation, spiritual transformation, does not happen in rows. It happens in circles. You may come on Sunday morning and you may get inspired, you may learn, you may may walk out with knowledge, but if you want to be transformed, it doesn't happen in rows, it happens in circles. It happens when you are connecting with the body of Christ and you actually are doing life together and learning how to grow, being challenged, challenging, loving, being loved, serving, being served. That's the way God intended the body of Christ to function. And so I'm going to ask you this morning to accept the corporate challenge. I'm going to ask you this morning to begin your own personal pilgrimage towards spiritual transformation by saying, I'm getting all in in this campaign, all in in this series. I'm going to be here every weekend, and I'm going to get in a connection group, and I'm going to grow my life to a deeper place. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.